Welcome to Skin Care Moxie, the podcast to educate, inform, and empower you to care for and love the skin you're in. Presented by The A Method, the medical-grade skincare brand co-founded by induction therapy CEO Angelia Insko in collaboration with renowned cosmetic dermatologist Dr. Tina Alster. Welcome, listeners. I'm Kelly Fletcher, co-host of Skincare Moxie. If you're new to the podcast, here's a little bit of background for you. Each week on this podcast, we dig deep into the topic of skincare, skincare-related topics, dispelling myths and sharing knowledge so that you, the consumer, can get the information you need to make informed purchasing decisions. And never is the information as, as important as what you're going to get today. I co-host this podcast with Angelia Insko. She is co-founder of the A-Method Medical Grade Skincare Line and inventor of the Collagen Pin Microneedling Device. And on top of that, she has formulated more than 200 skincare products in her career. So she knows what she's doing. She is an expert in her field. It's great to see you here again today, my friend. Kelly, thank you. And I'm so happy that the sun is out. I, for everybody who d- does not live here, it has been raining here all week. I mean, to the fact that we had water standing in places, they said, don't walk through it. Don't bike through it. You know, we there could flash be s- flooding. snakes or alligators in there. So, <laughs> but as some of you may know, my grandkids call me sunshine and that's because I love sunshine. So what do I have to complain about, Kelly? The sunshine is out. You have nothing to complain about. And for our listeners who don't know, Angelie and I both live on the panhandle of Florida in an area called Santa Rosa Beach, Seagrove, Seagrove Beach. And the sun is out and it's Friday. That's on right. Top of that. TGIF. So, <laughs> so speaking of fall, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I know and everybody loves the tatas. Yeah. Kelly, I <laughs> save that's the I tatas. It, yes, it doesn't matter women, men alone, uh, children. We all love the tatas. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, it can be a serious topic. It can be. As today we're going to talk about breast cancer awareness and for women in the US, breast cancer death rates are higher than those for any other cancer besides lung cancer. I don't know a single woman whose life hasn't been impacted by breast cancer. I don't know about you, Angelia, but I have so many friends who have and family who have been impacted by breast cancer. So let's not forget too, breast cancer impacts men. I served on the board of Susan G. Komen in the Knoxville, Tennessee market for a number of years and very passionate about this issue. And as women, we just need to make sure we're educated so we can protect ourselves the best we can. Yes, Kelly, that's why I really want to talk today about the dangers in parabens in this episode and how they can link to breast cancer and infertility for men and women. And as women, we need to make sure that we're educated so we protect ourselves the best we can. There's lots of products out there that have parabens in them that we're just not aware of. I know during COVID, we were all hesitant to go into healthcare facilities unless it was absolutely necessary. And now that the Delta variant is out, I think we're wreaking a little havoc on people going back to get these, you know, annual checkups that they do just to maintain their health. And so that fear is kind of back about going into facilities. And we kind of think, oh, this is something we can put off. But really, a mammogram being called in time, um, having a mammogram and catching breast cancer in time could be a matter of life and death. So we need to really take it serious. And sometimes it's only a matter of a few months that can make a difference because I know I was way behind on my mammogram because of COVID. And finally, I was just like, I, I can't wait 
any longer. I mean, early detection is the key and you just need to mask up and do it. It's not worth taking a chance if you've been putting off your mammogram due to COVID. So, so Angelia, as you referenced previously, today we're going to tackle the topic of parabens and skincare and cosmetics and body products. And What are they? Why are they used in so many of the products that we use? And how can we protect ourselves? So first off, I think there's a lot of confusion out there on what parabens are. What exactly are they? So parabens, they are a family of synthetic chemicals that are commonly used as preservatives in cosmetic products. It, they're also found in food. They're found in hair care products. Honestly, they're an inexpensive way to stabilize many of the items that we find prepackaged on shelves to give them a longer shelf life. So preservatives can be used to prevent the growth of harmful bacteria and mold, which is supposed to be for the protection of both the, the products and the consumer. But most common parabens used in cosmetic and skincare products are methylparaben, propylparaben, butylparaben and ethylparaben and yes how will you know if that's them they will literally be on the bottle listed as those but it's also in your foods so you know some of we of us think oh well there's a little in our lotion there's a little in our shampoo there's a little in our food and it's all of this together that can really really get into your system and interrupt your hormones. And it adds up when you think about all the products that it's in. And when I was researching for this podcast, propylparaben, how do you say that one? Propylparaben. Propylparaben. Mm -hmm. That one just kept coming up over and over again. So is it usually just one paraben that's found in a product or multiple parabens? It can be multiple parabens. Absolutely. And you know, Kelly, just so our listeners take this a little bit more serious, in 2012, the European Union banned parabens. So now it's almost 10 years later, and here in the U.S., they've not been banned yet. But that's how serious it is that a whole continent, if you will, pretty much, you know, banned parabens being used. Yeah, and we're going to go into that whole FDA thing in a little bit because it just really, it gets me all riled up. So, so I also read that it's typically products with a high water content that contain parabens. Why would that be? What does the high water content have to do with the need for parabens? Well, as we know, anything that's more moist can lead to mold and bacterial spores and that sort of thing. I mean, anywhere you go that there's, you know, more moist, you think like outside it's mold and that sort of thing. Mushrooms are mold. You see them grow. I mean, they're a fungus. I'm sorry. You see them grow in, you know, moist areas. So the more water, the more you got to worry about the stability lots of times. Okay. And so many of the body care and skincare products we use, you'll look on them and one of the top three ingredients will be water. Right. So the list is just too long to name everything. And these are products that people use every single day of their lives. Shaving products. That was another one that I didn't really think of because you think of shaving cream as usually a foam or a gel and you don't think of that as, but there's just, it's just in everything. So you really need to read every label, Kelly, because I'm telling you, it's in things that you really don't think about. And you know, Dr. Zoe Dralos did some clinical studies on this, and this can all be found on the internet. It was put out by Dermatology Times. 
So she's a, a well-known dermatologist out of Greenville, North Carolina. So and I just want to read some of the little blurbs, if you don't mind, Kelly, that I've, it's in her clinical study that she points out. And all people can find this online. And I'm saying this because I really want them to take it serious. This is not a conversation that you and I are just having to have that, you know, this is clinically documented information that parabens mimic estrogen by binding to estrogen receptors. You know, parabens have been linked to early puberty in females and lower fertilities in males and breast cancer in male and females. You know, breast cancer tumors have been found to contain 20 milligrams of parabens. So this is like, you know, when you have a tumor in your breast and they go in and they biopsy it and they they then run an analysis on it, they find parabens in those tumors. That's one how they've come to this conclusion. And as I said, the European Union banned it in 2012. You know, we ha- really have to take matters into our own hands and read those labels. And especially, especially if you have any breast cancer in the history of your family. The history of breast cancer. I read an article by Dr. Tasha Stoiber entitled, What are Parabens and Why Don't They Belong in Skin Care? Like you said, you could easily Google and, and find many, many articles. And it was just talking about how uh, paraben was detected in nearly all urine samples taken from adults in the U.S., regardless of demographic. So whether we know it or not, or whether we like it or not, it sounds to me like paraben is in our bodies. Absolutely. Just think of all the years we consumed all these things, not knowing about parabens. So you're going to have residual just from that. But starting now, you know, we can start to be paraben free. There is a website dedicated to breast cancer patients, survivors that talks about cosmetics that do not have parabens in them. Not 100% of all of them are listed on there, but it does start kind of as a good guideline. So what does the FDA have to say about this? Well, the FDA doesn't have special rules that apply to preservatives and cosmetics. The law treats preservatives and cosmetics the same as other cosmetics ingredients. And under the FDA, cosmetic products and ingredients other than color additives do not need FDA approval before they go on the market. So I think they've done some testing, but they haven't found enough to think it's sufficient to ban it in the United States. Yes. So I read this on the FDA's website and I quote, FDA scientists continue to review published studies on the safety of parabens. At this time, we do not have information showing that parabens as they are used in cosmetics influence human health. FDA will continue to evaluate any new data in this area. If we determine that a health hazard exists, we would advise the industry and the public. So, Angelia, why the mixed messages? I mean, if the EU banned parabens almost 10 years ago and we Google and we see these valid scientific studies by PhDs, doctors, and they proliferate the Internet from, you know, reputable sources, what is happening with the FDA? Why are they not taking action? I mean, Kelly, when you think about it, doesn't the European Union always step up first? And don't we typically consider people in Europe healthier than us? I think they monitor things way more than us, especially things that go on to our skin or on our hair topically. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very good question why they don't think it's enough. I mean, what is enough? I guess how many people have to get breast cancer that contains parabens for it to be enough? But then, as we've seen in the past couple of years, our FDA's not always on top of it, right? 
Right. Yeah, it really, like I said, it gets me all hot under the collar that a government agency that is supposed to be protecting consumers is not doing anything to protect us from parabens or warn us. But then again, you know, I use this example I was telling you. I went to a holistic health spa in California recently, and there was a big educational component to it. It wasn't just like a spa where you just, you know, laid around all day and got facials and massages. It was it was more of a holistic health retreat. And one of the things we learned about was drinking alkaline water because alkaline water increases the pH levels in your body, which you also talk about pH and skin. Right. So, so much of the food that we put in our bodies is acidic, which has a pH of under seven. And so we need to watch that because that can interrupt our gut biome, our gut health, and that can lead to all kinds of issues and even disease. So I was all excited about drinking alkaline water. So I started researching it. It says there's no scientific evidence that alkaline water, you know, does squat. And I'm just like, okay, apparently there, you just have to do it if you Find a reason not to do anything healthy. You can find a reason. You can't. Yeah. You can so find a reason to do it too, though, Callie. You have to just self-educate and do your own homework and make your own educated decisions. So the number one danger, even though the FDA does not recognize it is with parabens, is a disruption of the endocrine system and reproductive harm. And as you talked about, hormones, that's all has have to do with it endocrinology, right? Mm -hmm. Hormones. So you also mentioned the impact on adolescents and, and younger people. So what does this mean for our adolescent girls who are already using these type of products and are using makeup and body products and cosmetics at earlier and earlier ages, as early as eight years old? Yeah, Kelly, this is the alarming part. And one thing I do think is that at a young age, you know, I know my granddaughters are about four. They're already starting to play with makeup. And we think, you know, they're playing with it. If they're going to get cheap makeup, you know, it should be cheap. But cheap stuff typically tends to have more parabens because it's cheaper to stabilize. Toy makeup in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cheaper to stabilize things with parabens. So and parents certainly don't want to overpay when kids are just playing, but still they're putting that, you know, on their little bodies. So and parabens have been leaked to early puberty in girls and lower fertility rates in men. And according to a study conducted by Dr. Berger in 2018, adolescent girls who wore makeup every day had 20 times the levels of propylparabate in their urine compared to those who never rarely wear makeup. So parents hear that. I mean, this is your children that are using this. And I know we don't think about looking at every one of their labels. And by the way, a lot of times they pick stuff up from their friends and use it. We know how that interchanges and everything, but we really, really need to be aware of this. And we need to teach them too. We need to teach our girls to be aware, read labels. We need to teach them what parabens are because you really have a chance to, we didn't, I mean, we're in our fifties. So We can't reverse what's already been done. Can you? I mean, is there any way to rid your body of parabens other than to stop using them? Well, eventually, will your body rid themselves? You know, I've not read any clinical data on that, but I do know the body has the ability to repair itself. You know, even your liver can totally repair itself in seven years. So I believe, you know, as if especially if we're detoxing and we get on a clean diet, we're going to flush at least some of that 
you know, out of our system. Right. So, you know, I'm curious if we don't use parabens for stabilization and, you know, to fight bacteria and microorganisms in these products, which is how the FDA justifies why they're in there to begin with. If we don't do that, are there safer alternatives? And how can these products be made without parabens? So, Kelly, there are items, you know, or ingredients you can use to stabilize things. As I've told you, salt is natural and it's a preservative. If you think about, you know, people in the olden days, they used to kill their meat and hang it and cover it with salt. And that's how it preserved it. So there are ingredients out there that can do that. It typically means you're going to pay more for a product. So, I mean, and if you think about that, I compare it because I think all of us kind of can understand food. If I go out and I get a little Debbie cake, if you will, <laughs> that's got tons of preservatives that in it. That brings back memories. <laughs> yeah, that's been sitting on the shelf forever. I'm going to, I mean, what? You get a whole box of those. I don't know. They used to be like 99 cents for a whole box or something, but not very much. But yet, if I want to go to a bakery and get something fresh made that doesn't have all those preservatives in it, I'm going to pay more. And that's just how it is. I mean, preservatives like parabens are cheap. They allow stuff to stay on a shelf for longer periods of time. We all know that's not good for us, but we still eat it a lot of times. Once again, it all comes down to money. You know, mm-hmm. the, it really does come down to money. So, well, you know, Kelly, it's like they say, if let's think about it from a food perspective. If we go and we shop the outer perimeter of the store, right. we don't really have to worry about it in our foods because right. all that is the fresh stuff. It's in those center aisles and boxes Whole and cans. foods, nothing out of a box or a can. Okay. Yep. Yes. And, you know, it's easy to eat that way if you have time to cook and you have to plan, but it does take an effort. So it's going to take an effort. I mean, I'm going to go, this has made me, now that I've read so much about this, okay, you know, you hear about parabens, you're like, I hear about so many things. Like, I can't deal with all of it. Which which ones am I going to prioritize to deal with today or this week? And I'm literally going to go through, I have so many products, I'm going to go through and toss anything that ends in a paraben or whatever, whatever, you know, tell us what to look for on the label and where we should look for it and, and how to know when we should just toss it in the garbage. Well, when you're looking for parabens, they typically come in the last half of the ingredients because they're not the actives. They're the stabilizers. So I want to give you as like a statistic, if I can here, Kelly, that, you know, when doing this research, as Zoe Dralos found out that out of 36,811 formulations, 13,434 contained methylparaben, 10,421 contained propylparaben, 5,289 contained butylparaben, 4,869 units contained ethylparaben, and 2,639 contained isobutylparaben, and most formulations contained at least a cocktail of three of those for preservations. So you will see it on there, and it's usually really in about the last five ingredients on the bottle, depending, you know, obviously on how many there is. So ladies, take your readers or your magnifying glass because it's going to be really small. That's the other thing. Another thing, Kelly, when you're out and you want to read something and you don't have those readers or your magnifying glass, you could take a picture of it with your phone and draw it up. And we all have our phones with. Right. You're absolutely right. That's a good idea. So you've formulated over 200 skincare products in your career. Have you ever put parabens in any of them? No, I have not. Thank goodness I found out about these parabens because a lot of years I was in this industry and I didn't know about these parabens. Kelly, I mean, the companies I work for didn't teach me. Thank goodness I discovered that. I really discovered it through microneedling. They're not well when you use them with microneedling either. It can lead to some really bad reactions in your skin. 
So all of our formulas are completely paraben free. So talk a little bit about microneedling and parabens and how they interact, because that's something that I have not thought of as someone who is doing microneedling now. Well, for one thing, when you put parabens on your skin, you'll notice that your skin gets hot. It heats up. So for people who have rosacea, any parabens are going to inflame that, by the way. And you'll just notice it. You know, if you take a similar product, let's say same active ingredients, you put it on there without a paraben, a brand that doesn't have the parabens in it and a brand that does, you'll notice that. So then when you're microneedling, if people like put on a moisturizer or something afterwards, it has a paraben in it, it heats up that skin, then it can excite those melanocytes. And then that can lead to hyperpigmentation. We've also seen it lead to people getting granulomas in their skin because your skin doesn't recognize it. And then so you've made these channels and you've put something on there with it. And then it's a granul- it starts to section it off and the granuloma is like a little knot up underneath the skin and that can become bigger, by the way. It's not acne. It's no, no, it'll be something more like a, it'll have a core in it, mm-hmm. you know, that is sectioned off. And that. how do you get those? At? How do you they get usually those to have away? to be excised maybe from a dermatologist or I know if they catch them soon on, I think that they can give you like some steroids and stuff to help. Okay. That's something that I did not know. So as we, wrap up our conversation on parabens today. What is the main takeaway that you want our listeners to have from this episode? So Kelly, why take unnecessary risk? You know, read those labels. You can protect you and your family from harmful parabens. Why wait for the FDA to tell you what many scientists have already been saying for years? And obviously the whole European Union has decided on. And especially if you have any members of your family who have had breast cancer prior to you and it's in your family genes, please, please, please take extra special attention for you and your children if you have children. Yeah. And I want to add on to that. Tell your friends and family about this. Tell your friends who have little girls, your granddaughters, if you have granddaughters, it's up to us to educate that next generation or those younger generations so they have an opportunity to take control of their health as early on as possible so thank you this was your idea you were like it's breast cancer awareness month i really want to talk about parabens this is so important and we appreciate you sharing your knowledge on this and ladies or listeners if maybe we have some men who listen you can find more just google and start reading and you will be amazed at what you find on this topic so let's talk about something a little more positive (laughs) we like to end this podcast on a positive note always and i love to ask you for an all-natural health tip and uh Curious what nugget of wisdom you may have to share with us today. Well, Kelly, there's this one ingredient that I've been doing a lot of research on, and I hope I can say the scientific name of it correctly because it's quite different. And I had not heard of it till I recently was taking my herb class. You may commonly find it referred to as Kana, K-A-N-N-A. The scientific name is Selectium tortusum. I hope I'm saying that right. It's Selectium tortusum, T-O-R-T-U-O-S-U-M. It comes from South Africa, and it is a natural mood enhancer. So it, it uplifts your serotonin better than any of the things that we're used to, let's say like melatonin or ginkgo biloba 
or whatever it is that we're using for that. Lavender, I know some people who use that. It's more effective than that. But through that, it also helps suppress your appetite. So I want you just to kind of watch for this because I think we may be launching some herbal products that might have that in it for consumption. Oh, that would be awesome. So boost your mood and helps a ton of scientific information on it. If you look it up online, as we have said, we're here to empower people. We're here to give them information and open up doors of how they can find it for themselves, Kelly. And that's what we want is, you know, don't just believe us. Go research it yourselves because that's exactly what I do when I'm told something. Right. Well, that could be the the end of hangry. If you can suppress our appetites and boost our mood, <laughs> I'm all yeah, in. Exactly. Guess what? I don't. When I get hungry, I get hangry. Hangry. <laughs> I think we just get so busy, Kelly, that we forget to eat, and then all at once, bam, it sets in on yes, you. Yes, you're like, I have to eat right now. And by the way, Kelly, that's when we make some of the worst choices on eating because we got to get it quick. I know. know. And then preparing something healthy and fresh isn't always quick. And all this talk of food is making me want to go to lunch. So (laughs) thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you like what you hear, please tell all of your friends and family to listen to Skincare Moxie and, and share it with everybody. We'd really appreciate it as we're trying to grow our audience base so we can help more people make better decisions. Don't forget to follow the Skincare Moxie podcast in social media by following the A Method on Facebook and the A Method on Instagram. You can also follow the hashtag Skincare Moxie and Moxie is spelled M-O-X-I-E. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast so it comes directly to your inbox each week, visit theamethod.com and click the podcast icon at the top right of the screen. And finally, I wanted to let you know that Angelia, you have agreed to personally answer our listeners skincare questions if you email angelia at angelia at the amethod.com and that's spelled just like it sounds a-n-g-e-l-i-a also if you're on the website theamethod.com which by the way once again all the products are paraben free and there are some body products on there too and a great sunscreen you can live chat with a licensed esthetician who will answer all of your questions and who can get you set up on the right skincare regimen for your skin age group and, and whatever it is that you're concerned about or want to achieve with your skin. So check that out. And we will be back here every Wednesday. So be sure to mark your calendar and give us a holler. You can email us at Angelia at theamethod.com if you have any comments or suggestions as well. I'd like to give a shout out and special thanks to our sound engineer, Chris Hill of Knoxville-based HumblePod at HumblePod.com. Thanks, everybody. Go out and have a great week and a blessed day. Until next time.